Welcome to the Dawson D Show. Two great mates striving to improve in all areas of their lives. The podcast is designed to empower everyday humans just like us who want to add more joy, energy and happiness into their daily lives. Sharing our real life experiences and everyday struggles, relating to them in a personal way. Expect uncensored stories, plenty of laughs and tips and tricks to inspire you on your own journey. Now, let's go balls deep. Welcome everyone to a very special episode of the Doss and D Show. D, great to see you. Great to see you, Doss. Bags are packed and we're ready to roll. Tonight, we're off. We are off. We are hours away from our trip abroad, which is going to bring to you guys so much fantastic content. We can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be plenty of laughs and tips and tricks to inspire you on your own journey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, but what's today about, mate? You said it's a special episode. Why uh, is that? So today is 2021 wrapped up, essentially. Wrapped up, we're going to yeah. go through five highlights from the year. Now, let's just preface this. It was bloody hard to pick five highlights because Correct. 2021 was full of highlights on the podcast. And that's going to come from five different guests from five different industries that we spoke to. It was really hard to pick those five. And let's also say thank you to everyone. Because each person that we had on the show was amazing, weren't they? Absolutely. We can't thank our guests enough. If it wasn't for them, it wouldn't make the show what it is. And we thank them. And uh, like you said, mate, gee, it was tough, wasn't it? Bloody hard. So let's go through those five just quickly. So the first one, the original Yellow Wiggle, Greg Page. Then we're going to listen to Catherine Lyle, a bit about sex and intimacy, which was fascinating. That was a great interview. Bailey Wright, the story of perseverance and sacrifice from a Socceroos defender. Professional trader and businesswoman Louise Bedford with some real just great life tips in that one. And finally, Damien Bajaya, endurance as an ultra runner. When you're in your darkest place, how do you focus and get going? So like you said, we're going to play a bit of a snippet from, from each of those episodes. They're a little bit older ones, so maybe the people that have listened more recent times, they might not listen to these ones yet. And we really encourage, and you'll hear just how great these people are. You'll want to go back and listen, won't you? Definitely. But let's quickly chat about our year, mate. How yeah. have you felt 2021? It's been a great year of growth for us. Absolutely, mate. I think we were talking about it's just been so good to watch it organically grow. And we've kind of let the show go in a different direction than maybe where we thought it would at the start of this year. I remember you and I went down, we went for a walk, like a bit of a planning meeting on the very first day we recorded of this year. And we kind of set some goals and we achieved many of them. But mate, the fact that I'm even sitting across from you in our own place and about to go to the other side of the world for the Dawson D show, just blown me away. Hard to fathom how far we've come in, in just such a short period of time. You know, we're going from... You know, doing it out of, you know, a small little unit, a spare bedroom in my old house to now living in our own place in the city and about to head abroad to interview some people overseas. It's it's pretty special. And the other way to look at it too, mate, is we've invested so much time and energy and, you know, a bit of money too. Yes. Uh, hasn't been cheap. But at the same time, you know, that's how much we believe in this mission in terms of helping and inspiring and empowering 20-something-year-olds to unlock their secret ambition is for us. We want to try and grow and spread this message you know as far and wide as we possibly can and a lot of that involves investing all of our time energy and money into it 100 percent, and that's really what next year's about is just another step in the right direction more growth more investing like you said but even with our guests like the fact that a lot of them have become our friends now we catch up with them for coffees and drinks and meetings it's just for me that was really what i was hoping to get out from a selfish point of view of course these guys bring all the great wisdom to the listeners but for us too to be able to actually sit across from them and learn with them and get to know them as as mates is just incredible before we jump into our first guest i just want to also say guys we hope you've had an amazing year we've had an absolute blast with the dawson d show this year but this 
podcast episode right now is the perfect chance to springboard yourself and catapult yourself into 2022, which is weird saying 2022, yeah. but this is going to be the perfect platform for you to listen to these five incredible people gaining a mindset shift and a different perspective and be able to smash 2022. Couldn't agree more. These are five of the most incredible people you'll hear from a wide range of industries and they'll help you in different areas of your life. Like we said, we're gonna, we've got a bit of business, we've got a bit of resilience, we've got a bit of inspiration, a little bit of sex and intimacy with partners, mm. like a little bit of everything here. Yeah. But like we said at the start, we really encourage you, you'll hear a snippet, go back and revisit it. If you've listened to those episodes before, go back and listen to them again. And of course, if you haven't, well, hopefully these will inspire you to go back, click the button and, and be inspired in full. All right, D, it's time for the first one. Who's up first? Mate, it's only fitting that we start with this one. Greg Page, who is episode 51 of the show. And for us, this was a childhood hero of ours. And just before we tell the listeners a little bit about what they're about to hear, can you remember the day we interviewed him or the week leading up? It was it was mayhem, wasn't it? Yeah, so the Wiggles, you know, we were both massive fans growing up. Greg Page, the front man, the Wiggles, really? the front man, the yellow wheel. Mate, we, we jumped on a Zoom and or that awkward time when you're waiting for the other person to get on the Zoom call and their name pops up and you have to accept them into the into the call. That that was terrifying, but also so what an adrenaline rush. Oh, well, I actually required I think I asked him twice, How are you? That's how <laughs> nervous I was. But yeah. what did he talk about? Because we talked a little bit about the Wiggles with him, but it went so much deeper than he's just his career in music. Definitely. We don't want to give too much away, but the biggest thing he spoke about was the rule book of life, he said. So overcoming pressures of society. And as young people, we're mainly trying to speak to. This one speaks really heavily to them, I think, based on follow your own path. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks and just believe in yourself. So I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this one. Yeah, we, we talk about that all the time. It's one of our big things about not necessarily following the steps of, like you said, getting married, getting a degree, getting a job, yeah. retiring. The, the rule the, book. The rule book, yeah. The rule book, yeah. yeah. They throw the rule book out the window. There's, there should be no rule book, okay? Yeah, we've got to have rules and laws about how we interact and things like that. But for life, there's no rule book. The rule book is do what you love. Do what makes you happy. Because when you're... You know, if you're getting to what they call the spiritual zone, and we look at things in a spiritual way, they talk about vibration. When you're doing something that you love, your energy vibrates in a certain way that it attracts other things that are like. It's like a magnet, right? The magnet will pull things that are attractive to it. When you are vibrating in a way that's attractive to things that are like, pull them in and you'll keep having those positive experiences. So that's why... Doing what you love and loving what you do is the best advice that I can give to anyone. Law of attraction. You would, have been, you would have been a great teacher. Yeah. <laughs> if you're uh, a weird question maybe, but if you actually did go down that teaching path, do you think you would have taught kids in a different ways than maybe our education system currently is in terms of thinking a bit more outside the box, freely, like an artist like yourself? Do you see you know, a need for more important life lessons in the education system? Yeah, I do. It's, it would be hard to get them in, I think, because education system is founded on a sort of more scientific approach and evidence-based approach. You know, I think one of the things that we don't do enough of is building up a child's self-love. You know, they talk about self-esteem and a lot of things, but the biggest problem we have in the world today is the fact that people don't love themselves enough. And that manifests in so many ways, you know, domestic violence, suicide, depression, bullying, all of these things come from the fact that people are unhappy with themselves and they take it out on other people. They see people that they aspire to be like and they don't like them for that because they see in 
somebody else things that they want and they can't have that. They see things in other people that they don't like about themselves as well. So it's a very, very difficult situation because the human mind basically controls so much of who we are. As soon as we believe that we are enough, we are okay, we don't have to be anything other than who we are, the sooner we can all accept that other people are like that too, with their faults, with their misgivings, no matter what they do, we don't have to compare ourselves to others because we are okay as we are. That's, I love that because this, Greg, is kind of why we wanted to start the show is we were both, well, to be honest, we were both very self-conscious about our body image as kids, both of us. We were both overweight, myself and Daniel, and we were both friends and we went through that period of, of you know, not wanting to, not loving ourselves. And now that we're a bit older, we're like, you know, we want to start something that actually encourages this. So your words there are just perfect. Thank you. Good. Yeah, well, look, it's, it's hard. And, I mean, the whole, the whole thing about not loving yourself also involves that thing of beating yourself up. You know, if you're a bit overweight and you have a bit of food that you probably know you shouldn't have had, you tend to beat yourself and go, oh, why did I do that? With anything, any bad decision that somebody makes, a decision that they think is bad, they'll beat themselves up about it generally. But you can intervene and you can look at things differently. So it's about what is the outcome you want and framing that in a positive way rather than saying, oh, you know, gosh, I need to lose weight. I need to... No, you don't need to lose weight. I want to be healthy. I want to be this. I want to be that. Don't live a life of lack. You know, live a life of aspirations. So don't look at what it is that you're missing out on. Look at what it is you want to be and use that as a, a goal to strive towards. And when you strive towards a goal... Rather than trying to shed off the things that you don't like about yourself, those things will fall off anyway because you're heading towards a more positive place. So the things that are negative about yourself or whatever it is that you don't like, they'll fall by the wayside as you move towards that positive goal and it just happens naturally. It's like natural attrition. I think we're getting a, a clear in the longevity of the wiggles right now. You've spoken about your passion for entertaining, but just clearly just you talking right now and hearing your passion for all this is it's really nice to hear because it just proves that Greg behind the yellow wiggle, there was just so much more to you. And I think it's a real clue in the longevity of the wiggles and the success of the wiggles. Is this something that has always been in you or is this something you've learned along the journey? Uh, look, to be honest, I think I've learned it along the journey. I think it's always been there. I think everybody has it. It's just unlocking it. So it's always been there, but I've learned it. And look, I look back on my life, I've, I've made really bad decisions. I've done stupid things. I've done things I wish I'd never done. I've hurt people I've, like everybody does. So I'm by no means perfect. Nobody is. And that's the key. But it's when you can look at yourself and acknowledge that you've done those things that you're not happy about, that's when you can change the next step that you take. That's when you can change your future. That's how we, we look at the open ended possibilities of what can be rather than focusing on being trapped in that moment of gosh I wish I hadn't have done that and you just focus on the negative you focus on what you did wrong what you don't like all those negative thoughts and feelings and that little bubble that traps you you can't see the possibilities when you're in that space it took a long time for me to sort of realize it wasn't until I left the wiggles probably in 2006 that I started thinking about life differently you know, I'd been raised uh, as a Christian and I'd learned a lot about the Christian faith. When I left the Wiggles, I was going down more of a spiritual path because of a number of experiences that I'd had. 
And that led me to, to reading books about the law of attraction and different things that sort of led me to think differently. And like I said, it was something that I know I'd always believed in but didn't recognise it because society doesn't teach us to think that way. Now, we don't get taught to look at life as being something that you can not control, because control is not a good word, right, something that you can create. Life is something that you can create. And you can create a life for yourself that looks whatever way you want. It might not always work out the way that you envisage it. But if you hold that vision, like we did with the Wiggles, right? We had a vision of what the Wiggles could be. As long as we stayed true to that vision, we were propelling ourselves towards that. Times when we tried to change things and move away from that, that's when it didn't take us towards that happy place. So, yeah, the Wiggles made bad decisions about things. We did things that we tried new things that didn't work because it broke away from that philosophy that underpinned all of the things that were propelling us upon that path to success. So when we changed that, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. So it's the same with life. When you make those decisions that take you away from where you want to be, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right until you change things up and get back on that path. And, mate, the next one we have up is a wonderful Catherine Lowe. And I must say, this is as vulnerable as Dawson D. You probably ever got with a guest on the show, wasn't it? Well, you don't get a topic more vulnerable than sex, mate. Let me no. tell you that. The downloads uh, agreed with that. Yeah, they were. Catherine specialises in porn addiction and overcoming sexual abuse yeah. and so much more. But for you and I, this was really eye-opening to hear, especially the effects porn has on relationships and intimacy when it comes to your partner. 100%, mate. I think we went into it. Really wanting to dive into that topic of porn, and we do in this episode. It's amazing the the research Catherine's done and the information she has about what it actually does to our brain. But the part that we really want to play now is actually the effect it has on your relationships, as you said, and and between husbands and wives or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever it is, there was just such an effect in intimacy and we really found this part fascinating. So if someone we'll say men or women or both are watching porn in the relationship, your your relationship has no chance long-term, sexually, I mean. And then if sex goes, everything. I'm, I'm a firm believer if the second you start, stop kissing your partner, you've you lost the intimacy and, and the intimacy is what leads into sex. And if that's gone, you are just friends living in a house. You might love each other. You might have kids. You might not want to leave because it's all great. And men often say to me, it's all great except for this. And I'm like, but that is everything, right? <laughs> right. So I ask men how, how high they value sex out of 10, right? And they always say seven. And we do a bit of a values exercise around it. And I say to them, why isn't it 10? And through the years and asking men all of these questions, I've discovered that men normally have a crazy sex partner before they settle down. There's normally one girl, like, so I'll say to them, what's happening in your marriage? It's nearly every day guys are coming in. It's the same story. They all think this is only happening to me. It's happening to every single guy that's married, right? There's no sex. The sex is slowed down. They can't talk about the sex to their partner. The partner is defensive when they do bring it up and the partner is accommodating them. It's like that once a month charity fuck, basically. Yeah. So, I don't know if I can swear. There's no intimacy, so, like you said. It's just, yeah. It's just, I'll give him a, a free pass tonight or I've had a few wines and, you know, he knows that that's, a, you know, it's it's this bullshit that's happening in, in relationships and there's no communication. There's no intimacy. There's no connection. 
well, that's why guys say seven, right? So when I say to them, what's happening in your marriage now? Has she always been that way? Oh, you know, it was pretty good at the start, right? Everyone says that. Because the oxytocin is off its head. When you first meet someone, it's new, it's exciting. But if you've got someone that's got a porn addiction there, that thrill wears off very quickly, right? So I've, I've treated men who are 19 and up to 22, and there's a bit of a theme going on there that they can... They can get an erection and and be madly, you know, in there doing their thing. The first time they're having sex with someone, but then the second time things start to get a little bit less of an erection and less of, you know, the thrill. And then after that, bang, gone, next. And this is what's happening out there in the dating scene is the men are getting performance anxiety or they already have it and they can't last past one or two sessions with women so they're not committing to relationships because they don't get that thrill right so men say seven out of ten because they don't want to look like crazy sex crazed men that's what i've said and i say to them well it's 10 out of 10 for me sex is so important if someone's shit in the sack or doesn't value me or honor me or starts choking me or whatever they're gone right? It's, it's the basis of a relationship and an intimate relationship. And when I say it's 10 out of 10 for me, they're like, oh my God. And I say, why isn't it 10 for you? And it's like, oh, because sex isn't everything. And so they've conditioned themselves to be okay with not having sex in their relationship. Now, I didn't say to them, where do you put sex as a priority? Because we know love is important. Kids are important. Family's important. You know, communication, intellect, but attraction, if that's not there, you're not having an intimate relationship. And then we find out, I say, we'll go back to just before your wife, who who was there? And they go, oh, <laughs> she, she, whoa, she was like, and I'm Kinky. like, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say, did she have mental health issues? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did she stalk you by any chance? Oh, yeah, she was full on. Ooh, and what was she me. like in the sack? In the sack, she was crazy, crazy. She would do anything, all the things in porn, all the things. And I'm like, okay. So what men do is they go, they, they categorize, they think, about women as there's that type of woman that gives me that kind of experience and then I've got to settle down now. That's not coming home to meet my mum. I'm going to go with plain Jane, let's say, where their sex values don't meet. The other one didn't meet either. The other one was just like, you know, they'll often say it was too much for me right? and I couldn't sustain it long term. But then they've swung from one extreme to the other where they're now dating someone who, who really doesn't value sex highly, but they're attractive and they tick all the, you know, the wife boxes. And then so when your values disregarded, they turn into voids. So you start resenting the person, you start drinking to fill the void, you start watching porn because you're not getting boobs and you're not getting that, you know, satisfaction. Well, as a couple of football lovers or for a lot of other people out there, soccer, Mm -hmm. this next interview was a very special one for both of us. Absolutely, mate. A close family friend of yours, Bailey Wright, the current captain of Sunderland over there in the UK. And we're about to go see him, actually, aren't we? We can't wait. Got our tickets booked and he's looked after us. We're going to go see him and his family. And he's lived over in the UK now for... I think it's now going on 12 plus years. Moving from Australia from the age of 16 years old. And that's really what we want to share today is that period of his life. Taking the leap, taking the risk, taking the jump. 16 years old, going over to the UK by himself with no guarantees, no contract and having to trial at different clubs to 
to make his dream a reality. It was pretty surreal. It was, mate. And as you're about to hear, guys, he talks about some of the hurdles he had to overcome early. And there's some great stories that had us laughing, tensing up, cringing. There was just so much in this episode. So as we said, you'll hear a snippet now about his early days and you'll enjoy this one. Sometimes you have self-doubt. You have fear of disappointing others, which often never happens really, although you think it might. But I guess for me, I look back on it and I kind of had... Like I said, I had a tunnel vision and focus of what I wanted to do, which helped me not worry about mm. if it didn't work out, if it did work out. Just focus on what you're doing, what you can do every day and see what comes of it. And, you know, there was challenges like, you know, when I first moved over, I, my first game for Preston North End, right, was for Preston North End supporters team. I played for the supporters team because, like, I couldn't get clearance that Australia wouldn't give me clearance to play my football in England. So I was like, there was a stage I was like, I might have to go back to Australia. So it was like, I couldn't play for the youth team. I I was training every day, but I wasn't allowed to play in the games. And I remember just thinking, like, just getting disappointed. Like, they'd be here, like, letters going to and forth. No, clearance not been accepted. Clearance hasn't been accepted. And it got a bit tricky. I didn't have any pathways for me in Australia. So I was like, I don't know why I'm getting held back. No one, I didn't have a... Nothing was offered to me to play in Australia. I was like, I've got an offer here and someone's trying to stop me. Mm. And, you know, I was a bit like, I, I get it for, for reasons, you know, when lads are young and you want to protect because, you know, sometimes there is bad moves that happen in football. But it wasn't like I'd, I'd turn it down over anything else. And that period was a bit tough for me because I thought I might have to go back to Australia and my dream's gone because of someone sat behind an office desk. And I remember just thinking, well, whatever you do, be ready because if it goes through... I want to play. Like I want to make sure I'm ready. And there was various challenges along that way where I thought I could just pack my bags and just get off and go home. But I loved what I was doing. So like, for example, you know, I was walking down the street probably about a month into moving over. I must've been about two minutes walk from our digs, which was our accommodation. And there's about five or six of us and I was dawdling behind the back. And I, I think I was quite late at late in the evening. I was on my phone anyway. Lads are ahead of me, quite a bit ahead. I'm just catching up. And I lift my head up and some some blokes come behind a bus stop with a balaclava on. Whoa. And he's like, just, it was like, it was a bit of a blur now. Can't remember what he was saying. He's like, I won't swear, obviously, but he said a few things. And I was like, what? Who's, I was just like, what is going on? Like, you just sort of, not, not free to be like, whoa, what's happening? And next minute, someone's like pulled me from behind from my hood and I'm getting like kicked and smashed a bottle over my head and, um, yeah, not many people know this story. So, so uh-huh. gashed, gashed on the ground. Some geezers like the guys pulled me by my hood. I've got him down the ground with me. Sort of thing. What's going on here? And next minute, a couple of lads have seen it. They're in front, sprinted back. You know, got involved. These guys have got up and just legged it. The guy with the balaclava and the other guy didn't, but I didn't really see his face. And you know, I just had blood just pouring out everywhere because I've just been gassed here in my, my mm-hmm. head and. I legged it. We all legged it. And I just panicked. I was like, you know, 16 years old thinking, what's just happened here? And I remember getting back to the digs and Mick and Joan were like, oh. <laughs> like you have to go to hospital. Like, we're going to have to call the police, call the police. At the hospital, get stitches. And next one was, like, I'm going to tell mum and dad what's happened here. Yeah. So I was like, how do you tell your parents without having to make them worry? Yeah. And I remember mum and dad over the phone like, oh, oh no. Well, <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, you know, I've just had a little life lesson that I didn't really want to happen, but it happened. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, you know, in little moments like that happen, you're a bit like, I'm so far away from home. 
But like I said to you before, I had good people there in that house that sort of, you know, you get up, you get on with it and it's done and dusted. But that experience was a bit mad because I was like, hadn't been there very long. I have no idea still to this day who those blokes were or, or whatever, but someone's trying to stop you in your path. You got to make sure that, you know, you prove everyone wrong, prove yourself right. And that was one of them moments. So I thought, well, going through that, I'm going to go through some tough challenges. So just be ready for them all. And now let's talk about wealth creation with the wonderful Louise Bedford. Wasn't this a great episode? Well, money is a topic that's so often avoided, yeah. you know, especially with us young people. In school, we're never taught about money or investing or what to do with our cash. And it's a, it's a real life thing. You know, when you, when you get out of school, you got to save, got to buy a house, you got to do all that. How the bloody hell do we manage it and exactly. how do we create wealth? Exactly right. So Louise has some excellent pointers for everybody about how to actually create wealth on top of your current job or while you study. She's a professional day trader, but she's got all these other ideas as well. So the part that we're going to play is actually how she actually views money, especially when you're a bit younger and you're starting off and how to actually build a little bit on the side, whether it be a side hustle, day trading, and some of her personal stories that I'm sure will inspire everybody. That is really important to plan out what you're going to be doing. I think a lot of people jump into full-time trading because they've had a few wins on the crypto market (laughs) (laughs) and then they don't realize that has to keep on going and going. Now, if you think of the way that people approach trading this, two major strings one is wealth creation and then one is income now income is always quite tricky with trading because you don't want to sell out of something that's going up because you need to eat so you do need that wealth creation component as well so for me when I was in a a real job (laughs) in inverted commas I was with one of my sales reps Glenn and he just, he was a belligerent, arrogant, well-dressed Armani suit wearing type of guy. And I didn't really like him very much at all, to be honest, but I did respect his attitude because I kind of went, heck, you know, he's kind of really a standalone type of person. He's not really subject to a lot of the emotional things that happen in an office. And I quizzed him about it. And I said, Glenn, you know, what are you doing here? Because you've got a very different attitude. And he said, it's not like I need to work. And I went, what? You know, what what are you talking about? Of course, everybody needs to work. And I was trading at this time too. It just hadn't connected for me that somebody could earn so much out of the markets that every other aspect of their life could be impacted. He said, well, I'm earning enough out of trading. I went, oh, my God. So it did open up my mind. It made me realise that firstly... You don't have to be 45 to retire. You don't have to be 80 to retire. I mean, things are getting older and older, aren't they? Yeah. You can, you can actually earn money on the side and it can give you choices much earlier on. And if, as we're told, we're told now that we're going to have between three and 17 careers, complete changes of career, in our time where you need training in between before you go up to a high salary again then you get out of that job training again high salary training so you're going to have big gaps in your career where you need to be able to fund yourself anybody who's been retrenched knows that that is the case and having trading alongside that where while you're retraining for another role, your trading can actually earn you money. It's a great way to be. You know, there's multiple different roles you could have throughout your life. And this is not along the trading 
side of questioning, but I'd love to hear your answer because of the listeners listening. When you're coming out of school, right, we get asked the question, what do you want to do? I'd, I'd be intrigued to hear your answer because I personally don't think anyone knows what they want to do straight after school because, like you said, you know, yeah, you end up changing jobs and trying different things. Yeah, yeah. Full-grown adults don't know what they want to do. Yeah. You know, my clients in their 50s and 60s and 70s, they don't know what they want to do. I think it's actually not a very empowering question. I think a, a more, more polite question is what skills do you want to build? Now, if you think of it in terms of building skills that act like a block structure so that you have a big foundation to your future choices, I think that is a better way to go. You know, back, I mean, I'm, I'm 52, back when I went to school, I was given career advice that you should either become, wait for it, a teacher, a nurse, or a nun. Yeah. Oh, hey. nun. So three career options. You know, these days there's so many different different ways to approach things. So build your skill sets. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I want to support the two of you because you are actively building your skill set blocks. You know, you're presenting, you're networking, you're making contacts that could last you a lifetime. That's what I want to see you do and for you to continue to encourage others to do that. That's going to mean you have the world open to you. So much scope. Thank you so Thank much. You, Louise. That, that, that means a lot, honestly. And uh, well, I'm glad we're not calling you sister, by the way. I'm glad you can go to the <laughs> number. Now, Dee, when I say the word endurance, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Probably Saturday night in Dee's bed. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, that did sound like there was a bit happening last week. Uh, but second, closely followed by Damien Bajaya, uh, the <laughs> ultra runner extraordinaire. And this is all about resilience, isn't it? Oh, it's pretty mind blowing when you think about it. And what he's about to share in this one is we caught up with Damien, or Budgie, as we yeah. like to call him. Just after he did a 48-hour run. Ran for 48 hours straight. Can you believe that? No, Doss, I can't believe it, especially when we're sitting just across the table from him and he was explaining what he went through and just some of the little intimate details that we will say, guys, it is a little gross, so you might just have to uh, cover your ears if you're a little bit squeamish. It's nothing crazy. Just uh, all I'll say is one word, chafe. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of it. Guys, he's an absolute ripping bloke. You're going to love this one. It was something else. <laughs> to be honest, I think I'm still recovering. Like, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. I think... And I said to you before, like, I haven't trained for four weeks. And yeah. that's just, like, the magnitude of what we were able to achieve. But, yeah, so we – obviously, I'm an ultra runner. So, I've done a few events and we'll sort of lead back on the journey. But, yeah, kicked off a 48-hour. We started at 2 p.m. on the Friday and stopped running at 2 p.m. on the Sunday. So, sort of a, a venture that I've been thinking about for a few months prior to that. Probably should have given myself a bit more time in between the last one and this one. But – 48 hours of running and when I say 48 hours it was literally like there was no going home to sleep and then come back and then it was just kick off and I've got 48 hours and that it didn't matter like I didn't have a kilometer range I didn't have mm. it was just time based so yeah. I just had to make sure that I was on my feet and in fairness like I probably didn't run for 48 hours like I ran for 44 I think 40 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so I was on my feet for about 44 and then you know you got to schedule in you physically can't stay awake for 48 hours and run so mm. you do have to schedule in sort of like a 20 minute 30 minute sleep yeah. um and I think some where, Australia- did you, where did you have that it was at, what, the sleep? the sleep? It was in the back of mum's car. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So we put down like a doona, we put the seats down, and whenever I felt the need, it was like, hey, just open up the back door, jump in, close it, 
mum, half an hour time, knock on the back window, wake me up, get me out. And that was like, like honestly, the sleeping was the worst part. Yeah, yeah. Because you're so jacked up. Like your body and your adrenaline and like your mind, like everything's just really wide. So to literally finish a 4K lap, and by that's the first sleep I might have been, oh, I reckon about 100K in. It's like, all right, how do you just stop running and get in the back of the car and try and fall asleep? Yeah. Like most people like find it hard to sleep just at the best of times. So <laughs> trying to, yeah. yeah, like, so you just, you, and these are things like you kind of don't think of until you do and you're like, well, how do I now lay down and try and fall asleep within five minutes so then I can get a good half an hour rest period in? That was honestly the hardest part was just like, it was times where I was like, fuck it, I'm not even going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no point. There's no point me laying down because then like trying to get up again and get moving is like incredibly painful. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes I would just like sit on the chair and just like put my head back and just like sort of doze off for mm. five minutes. Yeah. And in this game, it's like, you don't need to sleep for eight hours. Mm. It sounds crazy to most people, but for me, like, because I've experienced it, I've been through it, it's like 20 minutes is like the equivalent of an eight-hour sleep. So if you have that 20 minute and you can get a good, like you can get into your deep sleep, you're good to go for another 12, mm. 15, 16 yeah. hours. i got to ask, you put up a poll on your Instagram right mm. after it and it was... Any question about the run? Mm. Mike, you'll laugh at this, mate, because uh, my question was, any chafe? Question mark. <laughs> and his reply was not what I thought it was going to be. There was, was lots it of photos, was it? No, 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 no image. Oh, there I was did send image. you a photo. You I was on the couch and I was yeah. like, I, I, I moved the jocks to the side. <laughs> I sent you off one of my crutch. Because <laughs> there's always been a bit of a running, well, not a running joke, but I don't yeah. like chafe and that's well yeah. known. Yeah. It has been for a long time. Plenty of Vaseline. What, what was the... People said, do you have chafe? And I said, I didn't get chafe. I got third degree burns. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm dead set on that. Like, I'm normally pretty good. Like, I, I've got my chafe cream. I've got Vaseline. Like, so I put all that on to start. But for some reason, something went wrong. And I don't know if it was like... Probably an extra, no, an extra 24 no, hours. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably was. But no, you know what it came down to? And I worked it out. I really, it sounds stupid, but I, I shaved my legs the day before. And this sounds sounds stupid, but I razor shave my legs like, yeah, with a razor. Yeah, to mate. So that like yeah, it, <laughs> it creates more friction. It oh, does, yeah. and because I've got like paint the picture, I've got like these big bulky quads. So like you know, there's not a lot of gap between my adductors. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So yeah, and that's honestly yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. But once it was too far gone, there was no coming back from it. So yeah. the third degree burns, as I would call it. Happened probably twelve hours in, oh, no. so like, so I had thirty six hours to go, and but like when I say chafe, like I was bleeding. That's how bad it was. And the chafe started like in between my legs. Mm. How deep can I go? go. On this? Oh, mate, okay, so it doesn't matter how deep. Yeah, we got, we got we this. Yeah, so the chafe moved from underneath me ball sack <laughs> up into my gooch, up into my bum hole. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, no. I'm serious. I'm serious. So it was to a point where. Like I had to get chunks, <laughs> chunks of like anti-chafe cream, and I was just putting it in between my bum. Like, oh, wow. yeah. so I kind of kept rolling with the standard shorts that I had on, but then I got to a point where I was like, I can't bear it anymore. Like, I actually, mm. out of out of all the pain that I was experiencing, the chafe was the worst. It was the worst pain. 
And it was like, to the point where I was starting to run differently because I was like trying to create yeah. more gap between yeah, my course. legs. But then like my bum was killing me. Yeah. Like, so then I got someone and I didn't bring skins. Like I don't yeah. really, wear, so yeah. I sent someone to Rebel Sport. I was like, fuck, get me some skins, just some short ones. Got those, chucked them on, game changer. Really? Chafe managed for wow. the next. I'm surprised you didn't go with the skin straight up, to be fair. No, because I've... You've always ran without them. Yeah, I've always run yeah. without them. And, like, I just thought, oh, I'm going to be okay. Like, yeah. well, I haven't chafed for ages. Like, yeah. But sometimes in these things, it's like yeah. the littlest things, like are the things that mm. create the most pain. Like, it wasn't even... For me, when I look back at the run and think what hurt the most, mm. it wasn't the lack of sleep, it wasn't running 200K... It was literally the joke. Yeah. It was literally my bum hole being on fire for 30 hours. <laughs> now, I'm sure you're all organized for 2022. You've got all your goals set. Your plans are, are ready to go. Please be safe over the new year. Doss and D are going to be safe over in the UK. We'll be having some fun, won't we, Dean? Oh, absolutely. We we're very excited for that. But once again, thank you, everybody. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, trust me, now is the time you need to follow us, especially while we're abroad. So it's Doss and D underscore Spell it out for them. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. Don't forget that underscore. There's two Ds at the end. So, uh, yeah, we'll be sharing plenty of videos and clips and lots of things throughout our travels abroad, which we're really, really excited to share with you guys. But other than that, have a very, very safe New Year's. We can't wait to see you all in the New Year for a massive 2022. Absolutely. And we must say, if this has touched you in any way, the best thing to do for you, for us, and for those that you care about, share it with somebody. If somebody sticks out in your mind when you're listening to one of these people talk, share it with them. It might impact their life. We'll see you in 2022.